Percy trotted over to his bedroom, peeked in, and with neither a flinch nor a moment's hesitation, piped up, Oh, hi, Jess. Wanna play? And off they went, Jesse in his layers of chiffon, Casey in her jeans and boys' t-shirt. In those five minutes we had enacted a fine moment of three generations making gender. A grandmother who felt queasy about her grandson's cross-gender expressions and only wanted him to be safe and protected. A mother who was spending hours and hours sorting out how to meet her gender-creative son where he needed to be met, and her son and his little friend who gave it not a second's thought and couldn't see what the big fuss was about. And not one of us could yet know that Jesse would someday grow up to be a gay man seemingly quite content in his male gender identity. Now, so many years later, it is I who am the grandmother. I watch my granddaughter in her adamant insistence that she will not wear a dress— pink as her least favorite color in the whole world. In contrast to both her uncle and her mother, she rarely has played with a doll. I try to attend all her softball games and marvel at her grace as a natural jock. And I am now old enough and wise enough, I hope, to know that her own journey in finding her unique gender self is a work in progress that will unfold over many years and with all our support, including from her great-grandmother." who is still alive and well and has definitely come around to being a firm advocate of gender nonconforming children. Yet it is not my personal stories that I want to showcase in this book, but rather what I, as a developmental and clinical psychologist, have set out to learn about the biology, about the developmental milestones, about the intricate choreography between nature and nurture, about our social constructs and our social mores that weave together to create such incredibly unique gender options for every child. The particular children I am interested in are those who transgressively and creatively define themselves as outside the traditional binary boxes of boy-girl, and are desperately in need of someone to speak on their behalf. It may be four-year-old Seth who likes to wear dresses to school, but ask him any time and he'll tell you he's a boy. It may be six-year-old Sarah Jane, who used to be Craig until making it clear over and over again that they all got it wrong. You may think I'm a boy, but I'm not. I don't feel like a girl. I am a girl. It may be seven-year-old Maggie who says, I'm both, a boy in the front and a girl in the back. Some people like to refer to these children as gender variant, but variant has a somewhat negative connotation of other than normal, not too far off from deviant. Some people like to place these children on a gender spectrum, with the understanding that children can slide along the spectrum from one pole to the other, male-female, allowing for incredible variation along the way. But a spectrum is a very two-dimensional linear concept and doesn't give full weight to the myriad possibilities in establishing one's true gender identity. So I would like to refer instead to a gender web, in which there are intricate pathways in three dimensions— side to side, up and down. This web will have to take into account any particular child's assigned gender, that which appears on the birth certificate, the child's gender expressions, those feelings, behaviors, activities, and attitudes that communicate to both self and other one's presentation of self as either male, female, or other, and the child's core gender identity, the inner sense of self as male, female, or other. A large number of children will find a fairly good match between their assigned gender and their core gender identity, and their gender expressions. But a fair number, and it seems a number that is steadily increasing, will not. 
Those are the children who find themselves in my made-up category of gender creative, a developmental position in which the child transcends the culture's normative definitions of male-female to creatively interweave a sense of gender that comes neither totally from the inside, the body, the psyche, nor totally from the outside, the culture, others' perceptions of the child's gender, but resides somewhere in between. In this day and age, raising a gender-creative child is still never an easy matter, despite years of hard effort on the part of feminists, gay and transgender activists, and progressive gender specialists who make room for broadened expressions of gender as a healthy, rather than pathological, way of being. I've never been shocked, but have nonetheless felt chagrined as I bear witness to the hard road these families travel, watching their children insist on following the directives of their inner desires and wishes in the face of aspersion from a surrounding culture that attempts to impose prescriptions and proscriptions for appropriate gender